Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Reverend Karen talking to you today about New Year's resolutions and more specifically, how to make them work. Because I'm sure you've set some New Year's resolutions that didn't work. They didn't stick. Two weeks later, you're like, what happened? They're gone. But if we talk about New Year's resolutions and new thought, those resolutions have a good chance of sticking. But first, I want to give you the introduction. So welcome again to Fearlessly Feral Living. This is Karen broadcasting to you from the Woogie Ranch out here in the back 40 of northwestern Nevada, where I'm a half an hour away from the nearest gas station and the nearest grocery store. Our mission here is to teach practical application of science of mind principles and to use spiritual practices to provide a strong and unshakable inner foundation that facilitates long-term successful living. In other words, fearlessly feral living. So today is December the 30th. This time is filled with all sorts of newness. My email box is filled with people advertising their latest things. Methods to live better, products to ease what ails us, even some tips for making New Year's resolutions stick. Some of what those people are doing are really outside the box, and it's fun to consider and is giving me some of my own ideas for some things to do in my own ministry. Social media is filled with memes asking us what our New Year's resolutions are. And this brings me to my first suggestion for you. Forget about resolutions as they have historically been thought about. Forget about New Year's resolutions as they have historically been done. There's a joke going around about a new gym opening up with fantastic deals for signing up for membership in the new year. The place will automatically revert to a bar in two weeks. It cracks me up every time I see this joke. Because like all good jokes, there's an element of truth to it. Resolutions don't typically last, at least not as they are typically made. Why? Because nothing on the inside of us has changed, only the outside. For example, we make a resolution to lose weight with no inner changes supporting that resolution. Instead, our consciousness is one of lack. In order to lose weight, I have to eat less and deprive myself. And who can sustain that for very long? I don't know about you, but I can't. I don't want to deprive myself for very long. I don't live like that. The way to support a resolution is to change the inside. Instead of looking as a diet as deprivation, why not instead see it as a pathway to more enjoyable living, better health, more vibrancy, Why not instead set an intention to live a healthier lifestyle instead? Because diets, guys, okay, I was going to say don't get me started on diets, but I'm started. So here's the deal. I see folks of photos of some of these folks who've been on diets and I got to tell you, they look like refugees from a concentration camp. They look gaunt and they have shadows under their eyes and they don't look healthy to me. Then you go see the doc who takes your weight and combines it with something else and calls it a BMI and tells you you weigh too much. 
But that BMI number never takes into account lifestyle, nor how much more muscle weighs in comparison to other bodily tissues. More muscle, of course, means a higher BMI because you weigh more. And the doc, who's only looking at the BMI, only the numbers, translates all that to obesity or weighing too much. I challenge any doc who's telling me I weigh too much to come to my house and lift a bale of hay. I challenge them to come to my house and do what I do on a daily basis. Could I stand to lose a few pounds? Yeah, sure. I'm 69 years old. I don't know any 69-year-old who can't stand to lose a few pounds. But can I lift a bale of hay? Yeah. Can I lift 50-pound bags of grain and 40-pound bags of kitty litter and dog food? Yeah. Can I wheel a wheelbarrow full of horse manure to the pile and dump it? Yeah. Do I walk about two miles a day every single day? Yeah. Did the doc, when he was informing me about my BMI that was too high, take any of this into consideration? No. So I told him. I said, look, doc, that's not the only number that's important here. There's other stuff going on in my world. Take the whole picture. And I told him about it. Then we had a good conversation. But, you know, these kinds of things are misleading, guys. They're misleading. And then there's the fashion industry showing photos of starving women and giving the impression that it looks good with clothes that never go above a size 10. Actually, most of those women are wearing like threes and fours. Oh, my God. It all comes down to us, the average person, taking all of this into consideration. And all of a sudden, we've got to go on a diet on New Year's Eve, no less. And yet we make that resolution and it doesn't work because we're depriving ourselves. And again, no one can do that for a sustained length of time. So I have a better way to suggest for you. This is the new thought method of doing New Year's resolutions. A new thought, we teach that it is our thoughts that create our reality. So we get a new thought about something and create a new reality. Now, before you go off into thinking about the shit that happened to you in your life and say, my thoughts didn't create that. No, you're probably right. You probably didn't create it. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the ways that we live, the ways that we respond to what happens to us, the ways that we show up in the world. Those things are all a result of our thinking. So when shit does happen, we can handle it better because we have the ability to create a new thought. In new thought, there's no judgment, no shame, and no blame at any time. And if something really, really, really bad and traumatic has happened to you, I am sorry. And no, your thinking did not create it. Right there, boom, your thinking did not create that. So let's get back on track here. Our thinking does create how we show up in the world. And so if we want to make a change in our life, we've got to explore our thinking. We have to investigate the beliefs and the feelings around our thoughts. We have to consider what's going on now in our life and where it came from. And whether all those thoughts and beliefs and feelings came from us 
or whether they were installed somewhere along the line without our permission. Let's go back to the weight metaphor for a while. If you grew up in my time, there was no such thing as being too skinny. Now, I was never skinny. I see the rare photos of me when I was a kid. I was healthy, always, but I was never skinny. I had curves. I've always had curves. Those curves turned into luscious curves as I entered puberty, but I was never fat. I saw those pictures. I considered myself fat. I remember fainting in high school gym class one day because I had gone on yet another diet. I thought I was fat because of the messages that society was sending me, but I wasn't. I look back on those pictures and I go, wow, I wasn't fat at all. I was just internalizing all those societal messages. I had accepted the programming of what a woman should look like, and I didn't fit that. Honestly, I was built like Marilyn Monroe, and that simply wasn't done in the time I grew up. So I grew up shame-based because I didn't fit what society said I had to be. And it took me a long time to get rid of that shame, guys. So think about that when you're considering going on a diet. Consider why you're going on this diet. Consider why you want to lose weight. Consider if your programming really got installed by you or if it got installed by society or the parental units or um, peers or a teacher or something. We get to look at this stuff because it is good to truly know oneself. We're not going to be able to stick to something like a diet unless it's for us and for us only. So let's say you've investigated this and you've decided that it is time to lose weight. Okay, time to go within again and change something in your insides. Because new thought, in new thought, nothing on the outside can change and stay changed unless we change the insides first. It's truly an inside job. And here is where spiritual practices come in. So you want to lose weight, you've gained clarity on why, and you are living that truth. Which, by the way, took a spiritual practice of personal self-awareness, what I call introspection. There's a reason why they say, to thine own self be true. There's a bunch of reasons. And the spiritual practice of introspection, continually done, consistently and persistently, helps us to know our own self. And guys... I just want to share with you, when we know ourselves truly and well, life is so much better. That's how we get to live fearlessly feral. Here's another principle upon which to base all of this. And I call this one, I call this principle the new thought whammy. (laughs) It's like the principle of all principles. It's where everything begins and ends. It's called oneness. That principle that says we are one with God. It is a part of us, and we are a part of it. By the way, if we are one with God, and God is everywhere present, and God is present in everyone else, then that means we're one with everyone else, which, when you think about it, has great ramifications for how we behave in the world. If we're one with every other human being on the planet, that has great ramifications for how we treat all those other people. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I want to treat all those other people with kindness and empathy. Just a little food for thought. Anyway, the way to know God 
if God is a part of us and within us, is to go within. Know yourself and you'll know God. Know yourself and you'll know your truth. Dig in there and discover if what you think is something you really want to think or was it something installed. Figure it out. Get clarity on that. Chances are, if it was installed by somebody or something else, it really isn't your truth. And when you get to clarity with that, then you get to decide what your own truth is. And this is another thing I love about new thought. I was recently giving a little primer on new thought, and I remembered the phrase, we don't teach people what to think, we teach people how to think, which in my world is one of the main differences between what we do in Centers for Spiritual Living and New Thought and what religion does. Because religion tells people what to think. And we tell people how to think so they can figure it out for themselves. So, you've decided you want to make a change. You've gone within. You've discovered the reasons for the current reality in your life. You've discerned that it really is you wanting to do this thing and not some outside thing that's making you want to make this change. And here's where the fun begins. You release the old with gratitude, with compassion, with empathy, with all sorts of good yum- yumminess. You release that stuff into the nothingness from which it came and you say goodbye to it. You know, I'm working on my third book and it's a list of spiritual practices and principles that we can incorporate into our lives and and along with tips about how to do that. And I don't have this particular practice on my list, but I might add it in. It's called Ritual. Ritual is very, very powerful. And you can easily create a ritual for yourself to release that old way of thinking. Here's a good example. Get some paper and write down all that stuff you want to release. Get some matches and find a safe place to burn the paper. Settle in. Think about how, what it was that got you to where you are today. Think about how it got in you. Think about how it's manifested in your life. Think about all that stuff. Think about how grateful you are to be where you are today and realize that you wouldn't be where you are today unless you had been where you were before. Thank what you're releasing. Get to that place of deeply felt gratitude and then burn that piece of paper and say goodbye to all that old stuff. Sit and absorb those feelings. There might be some tears in this part, and that's okay. That's actually a good sign. Once that paper is completely burned, you can can consider that old way of being gone. That puppy's done. You can further release it by either burying or spreading the ashes. Now, there's another step, but I have a story for you first. A releasing ritual story. This is a fun one. I once did an inventory, and that's 12-step lingo for introspection, and I shared it with my sponsor. The inventory was on one specific thing in my life, which had been giving me a lot of problems. After sharing it with her, she told me to burn the paper I'd written it on and scatter the ashes. 
Now, it was a cold, blustery, windy, stormy day that day, but I wanted to do my little ritual right now. So I went to what was then my favorite place to be, which was a particular beach in Lake Tahoe. And I went into the gift store adjacent to the beach and bought a coffee mug and some matches. I should mention that it was so cold and windy that day that the place was deserted. Other than the store clerk, I was the only person there. I went to one of the picnic areas where there were built-in barbecues, and I burned my inventory in a barbecue. And I put the ashes in the coffee mug, and I walked down to the beach. The waves were crashing high on the beach, really high. If you've ever witnessed that kind of wind in Tahoe, you know it's powerful. You know it can create waves big enough to surf on. I made my way to a boulder. I knew which boulder I wanted to do this releasing from. And I had to kind of time my my path from boulder to boulder to get to the one in between the waves so I didn't get splashed. I got to that boulder and I released those ashes into the water. I was witnessed during this by a raven, by the way. It meant a lot to me. That raven just stood there and watched me. Now, the raven is my totem, so I knew. I knew that what I was doing was something really, really powerful. And I felt that power. And I went back to my car and I sat for a few minutes and I realized I had truly released this thing that had been holding me back and limiting me for so long and so much. And I drove home and I took a little nap. And when I woke up, I started life anew. So rituals can have power. No, you don't have to go to the beach on a stormy day to release. You don't even have to burn paper. I once did a releasing ritual for a group of people where fire would not have worked. I gathered rocks for them to toss. And I went into the ritual and I prepared them for it and I gave each one of them a rock. Actually, I had them select the rock. And then when it was time, I had them throw that rock as far as they possibly could. And the very act of throwing the rock was the releasing. And afterwards, we talked about it and they told me, yep, I released it. I felt that it was powerful. So once you've released that puppy, guess what? Now you have a void. And this is where the fun starts. Because in New Thought, we teach this thing called the creative process. And here is where the creative process begins. It starts with that void, with that empty spot. This is where we create the new in our lives. Now remember earlier I said it all begins within? Here's another little tidbit. Everything's created twice. Once in our thoughts, and then in reality. In classes that you can take at any Center for Spiritual Living, including my focus ministry, if you want me to teach a class on this, let me know. They will teach you about the seed, the soil, and the plant. The seed is our thoughts and our beliefs and our feelings. So we go within, we do introspection, we gain clarity on what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what our beliefs are. We gain clarity on where they came from and whether or not they were installed by us or by someone else. Those are the seeds. And we get different seeds if we want. And we release the old seeds. And so now we're here. So now we plant that seed. 
We plant it by furnishing it with feelings. We plant it by putting it in soil that's kept enriched by other spiritual practices, namely affirmative prayer and introspection, and maybe some meditation. In other words, we change our thinking and we keep it changed. And eventually, a new plant emerges, which is a new way of living and a new way of showing up in the world. So, you've decided you want to make a change. You've gone within. You've discovered the reasons for the current reality in your life. You've discerned that it's really you and not some outside thing that's making you want to make this change. You've discovered some old stuff that you wanted to release and you've released it. And now you're ready to fill up that void with something new. And here's where affirmative prayer comes in. Now, affirmative prayer is not like regular prayer. This is not beseeching to an outside entity. Remember, God's within us. We don't say, God, please do this for me. We do affirmative prayer instead. And affirmative prayer, also taught in classes and centers for spiritual living, 10-week classes they spend on this stuff. It, it goes deep. It's powerful stuff. But here's the short version. Really, really, really short version. God is. I am. It's done. Thanks. Bye. Yep. That's the real short version. Here's a slightly expanded one. God is. This is where we acknowledge a God of our understanding. And we describe it in whatever way, shape, or form works for us. I am. This is where we recognize and remember our oneness with God. It's done. This is where we state in the present tense what is happening in our lives right here and right now. Present tense, not what will happen in the future. It's happening now. And we accompany that statement with feeling. Because thought plus feeling equals power. And this is where the power in the prayer comes in. Then we release with gratitude. And releasing is just a very short version of what we did in the release ritual. And then we say goodbye and we anchor with this wonderful closing phrase that if you've ever been in a Centers for Spiritual Living, you know it. And so it is. Now, we can do these affirmative prayers as often as we want. I do them all the time, sometimes daily. I love affirmative prayers. I have people stop me in the parking lot at the grocery store and ask me to do an affirmative prayer for them. I'm there, right here and right now. Call me up on the phone, ask me to do an affirmative prayer for you. I'll spout one out right here and right now with feeling, with power. So we do that. We do those affirmative prayers. Oh, and by the way, if you can't know this truth for yourself, that's where you call up someone like me and you say, can you know this truth for me? And I will know it for you until you get to the place where you can know it for yourself. Because remember, we're all one. And if you can't know it for you, I can know it for you. Okay, so we continue to go within. Make sure we're keeping our thoughts changed. Because like any change, even with the ritual and the affirmative prayer, there's a part of us that resists change. That's your ego trying to protect you because it's threatened by anything new. Be nice, but firm to that ego. My favorite way to do this is say, yeah, I know. I know you're frightened. I get it. I hear you. 
but we're making this change. We've made this change. We don't think like that anymore. We think like this instead. And it's okay. And it's going to continue to be okay. I've got this. Or something like that. The cool thing about this process, change can happen immediately and stay changed. We don't have to repeat it. We only have to repeat it if it's one of those biggies that's like deep in there and we got to dig it all out. It can also happen immediately, right now. And it's happened both ways for me. I've had things change immediately for me. And then I've had other things that have taken some time. Through the continued process of introspection, we know this about ourselves. We know which things might be likely to return at some point in our lives. And we maintain awareness for that. Years downline, something might pop back up again that you thought you had gotten rid of. Time to do the process over again. That's all that is. Because things like to pop back up. So, that's my take on New Year's resolutions. We get to go within, gain clarity, release the old, fill the void with the new, and onward we go into a wonderful and glorious new year. So I do wish you a happy new year. I thank you for listening. And I am so grateful for all of your support. Once again, we are a focused ministry of Centers for Spiritual Living. And your support is fully tax deductible. I've got links in the notes. But you can support us in a number of different ways. You can support the podcast at Buzzsprout, our host. You can support us by going to our Patreon page or our PayPal page. And you can find all of these links once again in the show notes and also at our website at fearlesslyferal.org. That's fearlesslyferal.org. Until I see you or hear from you or speak with you again, I am knowing Fearlessly Feral living for you and for me. Thank you.